If you have your Bibles, you can turn in them to Deuteronomy chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible, the verses we're going to be looking at are in your bulletin on the inside cover. There's also a place there to take notes. We're going to be looking at Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 12 through 15. Friends, listen. This is God's Word. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days shall you labor and do all your work, but the seventh is a Sabbath day to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who's within your gates that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. This is God's Word. I want to start by um, just exposing for us a lie that we believe. This is a lie that we believe. My life would be better if I just had more time. Right? Anybody with me on this one? This is a lie. Okay? This is not true, although you don't believe me. You're arguing with me right now. No, no, Stephen, you don't understand. If I could just have one hour extra a day, you have no idea the kind of joy and the rest I would be able to experience. It's not true. It's not true. Here's the truth. Here's the truth. You don't need more time for your to-dos. You need less. Yeah. Huh? Like, I don't believe you. Well, here's a deeper lie that we believe, and sometimes without knowing that we believe it. We believe that rest comes when we are finished with our to-dos. That is a deeper lie. We think that rest is waiting for us at the end of our to-do list. It's not true. It's not true. Here's the deeper truth. Our to-dos are never finished so we never rest. Okay? There's lies that we believe and we live by. Right? We think, oh wait, hold on, just a few more things and then I'll rest. Right? Just one more late night and then I'll be done and I can rest. No, no, wait, wait. Just one more week and then I'll get caught up. And it never, ever comes because our to-dos are never finished and if we're waiting to finish our to-dos, we will never, ever rest. And so we're in this series called Rest, Sermons for Sabbath. And we said last week, we are not taking back control of our schedules, but instead we are giving our schedules to God. And we're asking Him for wisdom. And what we're seeing is that God actually has a design for our time. God is your loving, heavenly Father. Okay, God is gracious and good and kind and generous. God did not build the world so that you would feel constantly overwhelmed. Okay, we saw last week that God has built into the fabric of creation a plan for time that will lead you to a place of rest. He's designed um, and He's spoken to us so that we would think about time differently. Okay, he wants us to think about time differently. The Sabbath is a gift from God. It's a gift from God. It's a blessing that can reshape our lives. 
And what the Sabbath teaches us, what God teaches us through the Sabbath, is that we need to rest before our to-dos are finished. Okay? That's the message of the Sabbath, that we need to rest. You need to rest. I need to rest before our to-dos are finished. Rest comes one day in seven, whether we think we're finished or not. We can say it this way. Rest comes one day in seven because our to-dos are never finished. Okay? This is why God built the world this way, because your to-dos will never be done. You will never be finished. And if you're waiting to finish, you will never, ever rest. And so God gives us one day in seven to rest because our to-dos are never finished. Here's a great quote from Bruce Walke. He said this. He said, By Sabbath observance, we permit God's designs to break through on our own. We stay tuned to the sacred time and the sacred realm. We accommodate God's agenda over ours. And so what we're doing when we observe the Sabbath, when we, uh, when we receive God's gift of the Sabbath and we rest, we are letting God break into our agenda. We're letting God break into our schedules. We're letting God's agenda override ours. Because if we don't, we will never, ever, ever rest. Now, last week, after listening to the sermon, um, one of our members um, took Sunday off and then told me about it. Um, And this is what her experience was. She said, during the sermon, I was trying to imagine what a Sabbath would look like for me. I often wake up on Mondays feeling like all I did on the weekends was errands or housework and I didn't have any rest or fun. It struck me, probably the Holy Spirit reminded me, that one of the ways I've always worshipped, even as a child, was playing the piano. I have a beautiful piano that I play only a handful of times a year. So I came home from church and left the piles of laundry that needed to be folded and dirty dishes in the sink. I lit candles, made a fire in the fireplace, and played the piano all afternoon. I played old hymns that are reminiscent of my childhood that I always feel deep in my soul. I worked on some new contemporary pieces which take work and patience with myself. Since I've played so rarely in these last several years, when I do, I'm always amazed that I remember how to play. It always comes flooding back and it brings me to a place of gratitude to God for the gift of the skill and how he made our memories work and to my parents for the years of lessons. Uh, The time I spent playing felt joyful, life-giving, and God-honoring. Amen to that, right? I mean, just one person's example of entering in taking the day off and making it sacred. Well, she did say this. Now, if I could just rid myself of the feeling I had when I walked past the unfolded laundry and dirty dishes on Monday morning on my way out the door, baby steps. (laughs) Baby steps. So this is an incredible example of exactly what we're talking about. Okay, That God gives us one day in seven because our to-dos are never finished. There's always laundry to fold. There are always dishes to clean. There are always laundry to wash. There's always dishes to put away, right? All of it, it never, ever stops. And if you don't take one day in seven, you will never, ever rest. And so, and yet, and so, and so God, every week, God is telling us, come, come. Here is a blessing for you. Come and rest. Deuteronomy 5, this is why we're reading this passage 
in Deuteronomy 5, it gives us an added layer of meaning to what the Sabbath means for us. I want you to remember our, our, our logo just for a second. Okay, we created this logo with these concentric layered squares. Um, and, and the logo represents how the Bible teaches us truth. Right? It teaches us truth in layers. Right? It doesn't say all that can be said about any subject in one place only. But we've got to take the different teachings of the Scriptures and go throughout the Bible and look and watch how the layers of meaning sort of pile up on each other so that we can have a fully orbed picture. Well, that's what we're going to see today. Last week we saw that the Sabbath is part of how God created time. Right? It's, it's built into the fabric of time. But, it, but this week in Deuteronomy 5 we're going to see that the Sabbath is part of how God wants us to experience the gospel. Okay, the Sabbath is all about the gospel. The Sabbath gives us the chance each week to experience gospel-centered rest. Gospel-centered rest. That's what we're going to see. We're going to see that the Sabbath, in the Sabbath, God wants to say three things to you every week. Okay, every week God wants you to hear three things. And we're going to see these three things in this passage. And I'm going to present these three things. I'm going to frame them to you around a 24-hour period from Saturday sundown to Sunday sundown. Okay, because I want you to see how practical this can be for you. Okay, so um, this is going to show us the rest that God wants for us. And and as we go through this, 24 hours from uh, from Saturday sundown to Sunday sundown, look, if you absolutely can't do this during this time frame, then pick another 24-hour period of time and let the principles influence um, how you observe this day. And so, we're going to look at how the Sabbath gives us gospel rest. First, Saturday evening, you need to begin. Okay, you need to begin the Sabbath. That you are free and not a slave. Okay, this is something the Sabbath teaches us. Okay, that you are free and not a slave. Let me sort of break down, there's a couple things going on here in this point. Um, it's important on Saturday evening that you begin. Okay, you need to begin, you need to stop and take a moment and begin your Sabbath. Okay, Deuteronomy 5, verse 12, it says, observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Okay, it says observe it. In Exodus 20, verse 8, where there's another publication of the Ten Commandments, it says there, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So here we have observe. In Exodus, we have remember. We have to remember to do this. Okay? We have to remember to observe the Sabbath day. And one big way to remember the Sabbath is to have an official beginning to it. Okay? If you're going to set aside one day in seven, um, if you don't do something about it, nothing's going to happen. Like the lights aren't going to flicker in the room that you're in. The curtains aren't going to shake. You're not going to feel this breath of air as the Spirit comes in and says, hey, it's time to start. No, no, you need, to, you need to set aside the time, okay? Um, you need to actually begin the day. So, and, and as you do this, remember, you're not, this doesn't mean that your to-do list is done, okay? To say that the Sabbath has begun doesn't mean I finished everything that, I'm, you know, that, that I have to do, but, but it means that you are declaring that you are more than your work. Okay, that's what you're doing when you begin the Sabbath. You are declaring that you are more than your work. And you want to let the Sabbath speak to you. Look at verse 15. God says, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God has brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. And so, for Israel, God wanted the Sabbath to tell them every week, 
you are not a slave. Okay, that's what it's for. God says you were a slave in the land of Egypt. So that was your past. In the past, remember, you were a slave, but you have been set free. The Lord your God brought you out from there, and you're now free. If you don't stop working, then you are a slave to your work. Okay? And that's reality. You can say, well, no, 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 hold on, I'm not a slave, I don't have to work. I just do. But whether anybody is pulling the chain around your neck or not, if you don't stop working, then you are a slave. You might be a voluntary slave, but you're a slave nonetheless. We have to begin this, because again, remember, remember, the list is never done. Because the list is never done, God says, remember, you are not a slave anymore. And so, on Saturday evening, go before God and begin your Sabbath rest. Say to God, if you have a family, gather your family together. Say it to them. Say it to yourself. Say it to a friend, right? A roommate, a, a good friend. We talked last week about having a buddy, a Sabbath buddy. You want to you observe the Sabbath in community? You need to tell God, tell yourself, tell your family, tell a friend, I'm done. I'm done. We have to declare this. For 24 hours, I'm done. My to-do list isn't done, but I am not a slave to my work. So you can do this by a prayer. Um, you want to just give the next 24 hours to God. God, thank you that I'm not a slave to my work. Thank you that I'm not a slave to my to-do list. I'm now going to give you this time. Please meet me here as I rest. It can be that simple. Let Saturday evening be a time when you transition from your to-do list and say yes to God and to others. If your goal was for 24 hours to live as though you're not a slave to work, what would your Saturday evenings look like? Right, if that was your goal, if your goal was to say, I'm going to live in a way that shows myself, that shows God, that shows anybody who looked at me, that I'm not a slave to my work, I'm not a slave to my to-do list, then what would your evenings look like? You've got to answer that question. It can look like time with God, time with family, time with friends. Obviously a time away from email, if that's a work issue for you. Um, even a time to, to stop thinking about the stresses. And, and, and I know how hard this is. Like This is not easy to do. Um, there are times when I will tell myself, sometimes it's, it's like a thrill experience, sometimes it's a, uh, I just, I'm doing this because I know I'm supposed to kind of experience, where I'll start thinking about something that I need to get done before Sunday or before, you know, before Monday, before Tuesday, you know, like something that's coming that I've got to, uh, you know, and I'll say, wait, wait, hold on, I'm not thinking about that right now. Like, this is not a day for that. Like, I'm just not, I'm not going to pick that up. I'm going to put it back down, I'm walking away. <laughs> It'll be there. It'll be there tomorrow. It'll be there uh, tomorrow when I'm ready. And so, but God wants the Sabbath to tell us. He wants Saturday evening to tell us. Look, we need to begin and remember that we are free and not slaves. Okay, our second point. 
What do you do Sunday morning? Sunday morning is about worship. And the Sabbath tells you that the Gospel sets you free. Okay? On the Sabbath, you want to worship. I think it's a good idea to do it Sunday morning. And the Sabbath tells you that the Gospel sets you free. Look again at verse 15. It says, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So the Sabbath is designed to remind you that God has set you free. Okay? You're not free because of something that you've done. You are free because of God's powerful work. Right? God gives us permission. He gives us even a command for us to live as people freed from slavery. It was God's power that set Israel free from Egypt. I and mean, even the way he did it, if you read the Exodus story, it's almost as though God were trying to help Israel never ever forget that their salvation was entirely dependent on him. Okay, all the plagues, that was the hand of God. I mean, it was so clear and so obvious that God's hand was against Egypt and saving Israel. And then they finally were let go. Pharaoh finally said, you can go. Well, then what happened? Well, they ended up at the edge of the Red Sea. God led them to the edge of the Red Sea, and then Pharaoh's army comes to attack. Right? Pharaoh's army, like, Pharaoh's like, what do we do? Why are we letting them go? Like, let's go kill them. And so there they are with the Red Sea at their back and Pharaoh's army coming at them closer and closer and closer. I mean, they have no hope. This is not an army. This is a, a band of slaves against one of the most formidable armies in the world at the time. And Pharaoh's coming and getting closer. And what does God do? God sends a wind and he parts the Red Sea so that Israel walks through. I mean, all they did, they, did, they didn't lift a finger. I mean, what, what Chad had us read and look at in Exodus 14, God said, look, I will do this. You just need to be silent. Right, that's the gospel. The gospel is that we have no power to save ourselves, but God has abundant power. God brought his people through the Red Sea. He drowned the Egyptian army right, and let them go free. It was by the power of God that they were set free. And today for us, it's the gospel of Jesus that sets us free. All right, let's look at these parallels. The people of Israel were in bondage in Egypt the power of God was demonstrated in the Exodus and the result was freedom. For us, the people of God, as the church, we're not in bondage in Egypt, but we're in bondage to sin. Right? There's stuff that we just can't get rid of. There's bitterness in our hearts. There's anger. There's selfishness. Um, there are, there's workaholism. There's an inability to listen to what God says when he says to rest and actually to set it down and leave it there. Right? We're in bondage to sin. And yet this is why God so loved the world that he sent his only son. He gave his son so that we who believe in him might not perish but have everlasting life. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. And when we believe in Jesus, there is freedom. There is freedom. Our sin is crucified. Our old self is crucified. And so not only are you freed from slavery to work, but Jesus came to free you from slavery to all of your sins. And this is why we worship. 
Right? This is why we gather on Sundays. It's because we are celebrating our freedom in Christ. We're celebrating our victory. That, that our victory is Jesus' victory. Like He won. He came and He lived the life that all of us were designed to live. And then He died the death that all of us were condemned to die. And He rose from the dead to let us know, to remind us, so that forever and ever and ever we will know that God's power has come forth to set us free. That's good news. As we rest in His victory, as we truly celebrate His salvation, we experience more of His freedom. And so worship, I mean, a big part of that is coming here on Sundays. Right, it's gathering here as the people of God. And our Sunday service is designed for this. It's designed to remind you that the gospel frees us from sin so that we can live not just as free people, but as adopted sons and daughters. God doesn't just forgive us. He doesn't just justify us, but he adopts us into his family. And so for us, we will never ever be alone. I was at the celebration of an adoption yesterday. And it just, it doesn't ever stop amazing me the life that this child has been saved from. Like when you think about the foster system, growing up in the darkness, in the brokenness of the being shifted around, home to home, nobody wants you, some people want you just because of the money that they get from the government to take care of you. Right? You grow up feeling like you were given up and nobody cares about you. And yet this little boy who has no idea what's going on, all he knows is that two people love him with all their heart. All he knows is that, I mean, he doesn't even know what he's been saved from. Friends, that's what God does for us. God the judge declares us not guilty and then God the judge takes off his robe and he steps down from the bench and he comes to us and in a second legal act, he puts his arm around us and becomes our father as he adopts us into his family. Friends, you've been set free to be part of the family of God. And that's what Sundays are for. Sundays are our effort as leadership, as a church. It's not just us, though. It's not just up front, although I feel kind of the pressure of that. Like, I want you to experience this. Chad wants you to experience this. Our musicians want you to experience this freedom that we have, this adoptive love of God that is ours. But so much of this reality comes as you love each other. I mean, because you can come and sing and listen, but if nobody says hi, if nobody asks you how you're doing when you're hurting, you walk away alone. So Sunday services, they're designed for us to rehearse this. God says in the Sabbath, remember that you were slaves, but I brought you out. Remember that you were slaves, I brought you out, I've made you my child. So we sing to celebrate the gospel. We confess and receive assurance of forgiveness the gospel preaching, communion, everything is designed for us to celebrate the victory of Jesus. To celebrate the gospel. Worship is a vital part of what we do on the Sabbath. Eugene Peterson said this, he said, many who just take the day off, which is only half of the way to observe the Sabbath, are often pleased with the results. They get more done on the six days than they used to get done on seven, uh, in seven, 
uh, mental and physical health improve markedly with a day off. We feel better, efficiency sharpens, relationships improve, but that's not a true Sabbath. You can rest and not worship. It's not just a day off from work and a day off from our to-do list. Because Deuteronomy 5.12 says, observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Remember that you were slaves, but God has set you free. So we don't just take the days off so that we can serve ourselves and our productivity for the other six days. We make Sunday sacred by worship. It's worship that makes these days sacred. And when we remember this, when we rehearse this together, we experience more of our freedom from sin. We experience more of the new life that Jesus' victory brings. And what's amazing is that we get to experience this on Sundays, and we also have the opportunity to create this experience for each other. When you serve on Sundays, when you volunteer on Sunday mornings at church, you take some of this rest time and you devote it to helping others to rest. Right? Have you ever thought about that? That when you serve, if you serve on Sunday morning setup, you serve as hospitality, you serve in the children's ministry, when you do that, you're actually creating an opportunity for someone else to experience gospel rest. You might not think about that because sometimes like sort of volunteering just becomes a bit of kind of a rote thing. Oh, I got to do it. Oh, it's my week. Now, if you have any relationship at all with John Rogers, you will never feel that way because John can't help but remind you. Wait, wait, hold on. Don't you realize that the reason why we're doing this is because we have been saved by Jesus and we can't wait to share this with other people. He's so good at helping us remember the vision behind our serving. But that's what happens. When you volunteer in children's ministry on Sunday mornings, you give our parents a chance to rest and experience the gospel. When you come early and set up on Sunday mornings, you give our whole church the chance to experience rest and the gospel through our service. When you're part of hospitality, you create the experience of gospel community. You make sure people don't just leave after the service, but they stick around and relationships and friendships deepen. And so you can worship God. Part of this piece of worshiping God includes serving the church as you volunteer on Sunday mornings. And so so we need to begin on Saturday evening. We need to worship on Sunday morning. And then on Sunday afternoon, our last point, we need to play and pray with God and others. Pray and play. So after church, right, when church is out, just spend time enjoying the day. The Sabbath tells us to play and to pray. So I think this is, the rest of the day is to relax. It's to recharge. It's to remember. I mean, it can mean having a discussion with someone else about, hey, this is what I got out of Sunday worship. Like, oh, I learned this today, or I hadn't thought about this before, or I was reminded about this. And this impacted me. But you want to rest knowing that your rest is in Christ. Right? You want to relax knowing that Jesus has done the work for your salvation. And so that you can rest and enjoy the day. His extravagant grace means that you can rest. 
And so you want to celebrate, <clears throat> you also want to celebrate in community. Right? You want to spend time with God and with others. You know, this power of God in the Exodus, it didn't just save individual people, but it saved the nation of Israel and it, it constituted them a community. Right? This group of people that left Egypt, it was a mixed multitude. Right? There were some folks that were not Jewish when they left, but they became Jewish as they left. They became part of this community um, that God has saved you not to live on your own, but he saved you to be part of a family, part of this family. And so you want to use a portion of your day to spend time with a community of people who will remind you that you are free, that the gospel is freedom, and that community is good. Now, as you end the day, I would also encourage you, as the sun goes down, or if you set it from 5 p.m. to 5 p.m., you know, however you want to work that, make the end of the day official. Like, in the same way it's important to begin the day, um, making an end of the day also can sometimes remind you, oh, wait, hold on, yeah, this is, oh, yeah, yeah, I forgot, because, you know, the day can sort of get away from you, but you want to end the day officially. Take time to end the day. Again, you can pray by yourself, with a friend, in family, and you can say, God, thank you for this day. Thank you for the chance that we've had to rest. Um, we're now going to pick up the responsibilities that you've given us. Um, and we're going to begin to look forward to, to Monday morning. And so, but this, on this third, you want to play and pray. You want to ask yourself, what would it look like um, to be able to celebrate, to refresh and to recharge on Sunday afternoon? What does that look like? For some, it can mean going out for a run. For some, it can mean a hike. For some, it can mean going to the beach. Some can mean going on a picnic. Um, for some, I mean, it's funny. We were talking um, last week, and then even again last night, um, we were talking and asking Lainey, so Lainey, what does it look like for you? Because, you know, if you're a, if you're a home executive, right, if you take care of the home, your work is never done, right? And sometimes... If you're making food and cooking and cleaning, then, well, that doesn't stop on Sundays, right? <laughs> so when does mom get to rest? Um, and, uh, you know, and so we just looked at the passage in the Gospels where it says, where Jesus said, well, you know, if you have to do something, like if it's a work of necessity, then you have to do it. So sorry, Lainey, you just don't get a day off. That's, it's a bummer for you. No, we didn't say that. We didn't say that. No, like I looked to the kids and said, hey kids, how can we do things? How can we pick up some of the load that mom carries during the week? What are things that we can do? We know that mom would love to just go out to eat every, every Sunday afternoon so that we just don't, so she doesn't have to cook. You know, so what would it look like for us to carry that burden for her um, and take care of lunch? You know, that would be a big deal. You know, and so um, you want to have these conversations. Um, but you want to ask yourself, what does it look like to rest, to recharge, for the time to be sacred? And then I want to just give you a few, um, just, just some other thoughts um, that are good things to do throughout the day. So whether you do these Saturday evening, Sunday morning, or Sunday afternoon, um, I think it can be healthy to just take a little bit of time and review the past week. Now, God, what did you do this last week? Um, how did I see you at work? Um, what was my work like? You know, just look over the last week. You can do kind of highlights, lowlights, if you want to go that route. 
Uh, but I think it'd be good, it can be good just to ask yourself and spend a couple of minutes just reviewing the week that you just, that just finished. Um, I think that you can take time. If you need more time outside of our Sunday service, it can be good to take time to confess any sins from the week before. Um, I think I heard one person say six days is about long enough for any sin to go unconfessed. And um, and so we do that during our service, but if you need some extra time to really think back over the week and say, Lord, are there things that I need to confess that I haven't confessed? I want to get right with you so that this new week begins fresh and clean. Um, And then I think it can also be helpful to look forward to preview the coming week. Say, Lord, um, it could be with a spouse, girlfriend, boyfriend, it could be in in a family. Um, Look, what does this week have in store for us? Um, and how can we make sure that, uh, that we know like, that we're on the same page, that we can be looking to see what God is going to do? Are there things that we need God to be doing this week so that you can be more proactive in thinking about the week to come? Um, there are times when I've thought about doing that and thought, man, this could take hours, um, but it doesn't have to, you know? And I'm not trying to make it so simple that it's worthless, but I think you could do a legitimate job of that just taking 20 or 30 minutes just reviewing the week, confessing your sins, remembering the gospel, looking forward to the week to come. You just want to ask yourself, how can this day remind me that I am free? Free from sin, adopted into God's family. How can this be a day um, to experience and deepen community? If you say yes to this, Okay, if you say yes to observing and doing this on the Sabbath, your to-do list will not shrink, but your anxiety will. Okay, if you do this, your tasks accomplished won't increase, but your joy will. When you say yes to the things that are most important, and you're doing it because God has asked you, He's commanded you to do it, There's a joy there. There is a sense of, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that is not done, but I did the one thing that's important. There's something unexplicably good about doing that. At the end of, when, when the sun goes down on Sunday, you can say, yeah, there's lots of things that aren't undone, but that would have been the case anyways. Okay? Again, that's the lie. If you work all day, like, yeah, you'll, you'll still have stuff that needs to get done. But if you say yes to the Sabbath, if you say yes to resting, to worshiping, to community, to recharging, you will be walking with the Lord. You will sense Him close. The Sabbath is so much more than a law to keep. It's an invitation to participate in gospel rest. The gospel reminds you that you're a child of God and that truth breathes life into everything that the coming week has in store for you. Let's finish this Sabbath with the Lord. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for exposing to us the lies that we believe. We do confess that we have a never-ending to-do list. Some of it's work-related, some of it's not. God, thank you for commanding us 
to stop, to set it down, to rest, and to worship. Lord, I pray that um, for anybody that's here who has not yet begun the day, that they would begin it now, and that they would let it go until the sun comes down. Father, help us to live in the reality that the gospel has set us free, that we are your children, and help us today to say yes to community, to say yes to relationships, and yes to relaxing and recharging. And Father, for those who are here and they don't know you, Lord, would you help them to see this, the goodness of this? Will you give them ears to hear the wisdom that we were made to know you, and without knowing you, that there really is no end to the, to the cycle? There's no end to the rat race. We'll constantly be doing, doing, doing until we are able to, to stop and rest in what you have done. Draw them to Jesus. We thank you. Thank you for all of this. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.